Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. All right. Going to dive in some stuff now. I have a mustache right now. What'd you say? Testosterone. Testosterone. My mustache. I, I shaved up. Thank you. Thank you. I shaved off all of it, but left the mo. Yes, I did. And you may wonder why. So do I. I had a dream of my brother the other day with a mustache, and I was like, he looked pretty cool. But he's not willing to do it, so I thought maybe I will. But we, we actually celebrated Cinco de Mayo on the 6th of May and watched Nacho Libre, ate tacos, and I made myself a Mexican mustache. And some still may wonder, why do you still have it, Jesse? Well, because. I, it, this is my tribute to Jessica for Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, babe. She loves it when I have a mustache. So, it's my tribute to you, babe. Has anybody ever heard of No Shave November or Movember? I used to do Movember, and it's where you have a mustache during November. And uh, it, was a, it was an awesome month. And this one year I did it, and Jessica and I got to go minister in northern Indiana. Uh, to the Amish people up there, which was awesome. There, we were in a barn. There's about 80 or so people in there. Most of them were either Amish or used to be Amish, and they're kind of transitioning into their freedom and stuff. But there, there's a few horses and buggies out in, the, out in the yard and lots of beards with no mustaches, which was cool. And I had a mustache and no beard. And so... I, and I saw a lot of identity in the room on the beards, like, like some people had the big long ones and some people had them nice and trim, but it's like, ooh, nice beard. That, that's how they'd say it to each other, nice beard. And, but, and I told them, I got a mustache, no beard, you got a beard, no mustache, but when we're in unity, we represent the whole. And they liked that. And then, then I heard a guy gay say, you got a caterpillar on your lip. I was like, awesome. Another guy said, you got, one, you got three eyebrows. Amish jokes. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, man, it's so good. But, but a, lot, a lot of people like to, <laughs> they like to find their identity in their facial hair or their hairdos or their clothes or whatever. I remember one time a while back, I was, I was getting ready to meet somebody for a lunch meeting, and I was, I was trying to hurry to get ready and stuff, and I, I had a kind of my beard has grown out, and I needed to get it shaved anyway, so I, I usually take my, my electric beard trimmer, and I'll, I'll just shave it down to the skin, but I don't usually use a razor blade, right? So I'm shaving this thing off like this, and I get about here, and then I get started on this side, and the battery died. <laughs> with all this other mess on my face, like, like half done, right? 
not even at all. And I was like, oh, dude, you beard trimmer, you did me wrong. Because that's just kind of a pickle. It's kind of like a guy's worst nightmare, you know? Half beard, halfway done. You guys all right today? <laughs> okay. And I, I just, I was thinking about it, that how humiliating that would be to look like that um, in public, and, and just how it can, it could give you, you a kind of a, a false sense of, of identity or a, a false sense of self-confidence to, to go around with a messy looking face like that. And, and how are people going to perceive me, you know? Uh, th this thing that, that's so obvious on me, people are going to look at me, and this is what they're going to think of me. F you know, people judge you by the first encounter with you, right? What are people going to think? And, and th thankfully, I was able to plug it in and shave the rest. That was good, because I was in a pickle if, it, if that didn't happen. But, uh, but what I want to say about that beard, you guys are like taking me seriously. I think this is hilarious. I almost went with the beard like that because it would have been fun, okay? You guys are too serious this morning. It's Mother's Day. Lighten up. Come on. It's the must. Jessica says my mustache is throwing you guys off. You can't even take me seriously now. I'm going to keep this. I'm going to keep this mustache until I feel like you guys can see me past it, all right? So that's up to you how long I have this thing. All right. The thing is crazy about, about the crazy beard, right? And I don't know about you. Have you ever had a time where you went to the hairstylist and they cut your hair wrong? And like, you know that everybody in the world is going to see where they screwed your hair up. It's happened to me. I, I used to, <laughs> when I was a teenager, I used to have this long hair on top and then I'd have them shave it on the sides and back. And it was a skater cut and it'd hang over like this and you go like that to get out of your eyes. Like that. And, and the, it's cool to do that, man. So, but this one time I went and the lady cut my hair like it was supposed to come down here past my, my crown, right? So that it hangs right. She went above my crown. So it was like up here. And it, that was like the most humiliating mistake that ever happened. And I knew the whole world was going to see that thing. I had to start trying to comb it different just to cover that thing up. Humiliating. Come on, guys, work with me here. <laughs> but the, the way these things make you feel, it's like everybody's looking at me, everybody sees the flaws on me. They know I, th th this is what they're going to think I am, right? Nope, this represents that bad hairstylist, not me, all right? I'm, I'm joking again, I'm joking again. Here, does this help? Right. But here's the thing that's crazy, is that it doesn't matter what the beard looked like or what the hair looked like, I was still the same me the whole time. All right? I was still the same me the whole time. Even though I was ashamed, I felt pretty, pretty bad about myself and the way other people would perceive me, but it didn't change who I was. All right, And that's exactly what condemnation does to us, is it tries to make us think that we're something different than who we really are. 
All right? It makes us think, well, people can see my flaws and they can see my shortcomings and my failures, and that must be who I am because they see it, and I look in the mirror and I see it too. And, and condemnation tries to heap shame on us and make us feel less than about ourselves. All right? But guess what? I was still the same person after I fixed the beard than I was when I still had the mess on my face. All right? And just for your information, I'm the same person today with this mustache as I was last week without it. Get over it. I'm just messing with you. All right? The external, uh, the way that, that we're viewed by ourselves and others actually doesn't even determine who we are. Okay? I, I remember my old uh, pastor, Bobby Jeter. We used to call him PBJ. He liked that. PBJ. And he was telling a story that he met this hippie that was, that was driving around in his Volkswagen uh, van or bus, where you call those things, all over the country by himself. And he was having the adventure of a lifetime. And, but he got in deep conversation with him. He's asking him, Why, what are you doing? Why are you on this, on this adventure? What are you trying to accomplish? And the guy said, well, I'm trying to find myself. So he's like all over, trying all these different things, trying to different experiences, different places. I'm trying to find myself. Bobby looked at him in the eye. And he said, I can solve the problem for you. You are right there. And he stuck his finger in his chest. You are right there. <laughs> this, this guy's like in Arizona or Seattle trying to find, no, you're actually right there. Oh, you're over, no, you're right there now. All right. You guys are making this so hard. Please give me some courtesy laughs or something. Ones that feel like they're real, not the ones that feel fake, please. That, that makes it worse. <laughs> we just started a series, a video series, this last Wednesday night by Jack Frost called From Spiritual Slavery to Sonship. And man, it was a good first night. It's only going to get better because it's going to continue unfolding and going deeper. But the whole thing is about... Um, discovering who we are to the Father. Discovering who we are to the Father. And I just want to say that people get a sense of identity from where they feel the most accepted. Okay? People, people think that they are who the people who accept them are. Okay? And, so, and that's why we have people um, changing their form and changing their... The, the way they look and changing the way they act and their accents or whatever. Wearing skinny jeans when you used to wear boot cut pants or whatever. <laughs> you get accepted by certain people, you try to become like them, right? And, and so what we got to find out as Christians is who are we most accepted by? Because that's going to determine what our actual identity is, okay? I want to read out of Matthew 4. This is going to be a real basic message, but it's, it's one of the most fundamental and important messages, I believe. I read out of Matthew 4, starting with verse 1. And this is about Jesus and His identity. Okay? It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when He had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward... He was hungry. Everybody say, afterward, he was hungry. Afterward, he was hungry. 
Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones become bread. Jesus answered, and he said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And if you think about this story, and you think about how Satan works, that he, he, he doesn't usually try to show up um, in the most obvious ways. He'll, he'll try to find you in the most vulnerable of your times when you're the weakest form of yourself and try to get you when you least expect it. And so here's Jesus who has fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and he's exhausted, he's starving, he probably lost a lot of weight, and probably his, you know, his body's probably starting to show his bones through his skin and stuff. And, and, and how many of you guys know that when you get too hungry, you get hangry? <laughs> I don't know about you, but that happens to me sometimes. I can fast until lunchtime today, and I'm already that way. Okay, But Jesus went 40 days and 40 nights. Without food. And so, after you go so long, it even, it even affects your mental capacities and stuff, right? And so the enemy's trying to come at him in his weakness and try to, try to seed him with his thoughts. He's, he says, if you're the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. And in the past, I used to read this, and I used to think that the temptation that Satan was trying to bring to him was to get him to eat when he should have been fasting. So it's kind of like he's trying to, he, Jesus is trying to do this, this holy thing with God. He's obeying his Father and fasting, and Satan's trying to get him to come and break his fast before it's time. That's what I always used to think that that was saying. But the one time I was reading it, and the Holy Spirit was like, Jesse, but, but pay attention to the words you're reading here, because it says, after he had fasted and prayed, Satan came. Okay? After he had fasted and prayed, was when temptation came to him. So if it's after he had fasted and prayed, it actually was after he was finished doing the thing that he was allowed now to stop doing and to shift into eating. So when Satan is trying to get him to eat, it actually wouldn't have been sin or wrong for Jesus to have bread because he's already finished with his fast. So I was like, all right, Holy Spirit, then I guess I was wrong about what this is all about. Then what is it all about? I start thinking about it. Well, maybe, maybe the devil was trying to convince Jesus to use his, his, his powers of divinity to change the elements for selfish needs. Okay, so that he, you know, turning a rock into bread so he could eat it. And, and I... I got to thinking about that, and the Holy Spirit was like, well, what was Jesus' first miracle? Oh, he turned the water into wine. Oh, he changed, you mean he used his power to change the elements and then consume it? Oh, so I guess that's not it. Then what is it? And he's like, well, keep looking, keep looking at this. And so I started, I started paying more attention. And the, and the devil is coming to him and he says, If you are the Son of God, command the stones turn into bread. If you are the Son of God. If you are the Son of God. And Jesus hears the deceit behind the plan, right? If. You're the Son of God. And Jesus is like, wait. Hold on a second. 
What do you mean if I'm the Son of God? Why is me being the Son of God in question? Because if the devil is saying, if you are the Son of God, then do such and such, then it's saying, if you are this, if you, if you are what you claim to be, then I need you to prove that you are that thing that you thought that you were. If you're the Son of God, then prove it. And so Jesus had to sit there and think through that. And by the way, it says that he was tempted. And what that, that doesn't mean the devil just came and he just was like, no big deal. No, it actually says he was tempted in all ways. So when this happened, Jesus really was in a place where he, where he was actually being lured by this thing and it was trying to grab a hold of his heart. It was actually trying to do a work in him. Okay, it, it actually sounded like it might be a good idea. That's temptation right there, okay? And so Jesus is actually having to process through this thing. I could prove to Satan and possibly to myself and to whoever else now, I am the Son of God. I'm going to prove it by doing this thing that he needed to see so he would believe I am who I said I am. All right? So, so Satan is trying to get him to, to think about it. If you're the Son of God, then do this thing so, that you, so there's proof that you are this person. Okay? Now, so Jesus is processing this thing. And, and Jesus, he's, he's, like, I, he's like, I know what the truth is, and I don't like what he's saying. And so here's his answer. His answer to this is, it is, it is written... Man shall not live by bread alone. Pause there for a second. He actually can live by bread. Okay? So bread actually would not have been a bad thing for him to have at that point. He was, this was not about bread, okay? Jesus could have consumed bread. Okay, but he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I'm going to live by the words that are flowing forth from the mouth of God. The word for word in the Greek is word. No, it's rhema. The word for word is rhema. Okay? And rhema is talking about the revelatory word of God. It's the right now revealing of God's nature flowing forth from Him in real time, releasing abundant life. And that when you receive that Word, the revelation Word that's flowing, it's real life flowing right now. And I can participate with that and receive life. I can have life fill me and, and live through me. And I can have this bounty, this bounty of God life in me. This bounty of God life from the inside out. I can live the abundant life that Jesus promised us by, by drawing from God's rhema word that He's speaking. I need to know that His word is flowing from Him in real time. He's saying this is what it is, and I mean it right now. Oh, I still mean it right now. I mean it now. I mean it now. I mean it now. If you can receive it into your heart by the Spirit, by faith, it actually is releasing right now Power, life-giving power through revelation. He 
So Jesus said, I'm going to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And he didn't say man can live by bread alone. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. But let me go ahead and turn it into bread anyway. He didn't say that. He was like, I know, I know this truth, and I don't, need any, I don't need anything to do with what you're saying anymore. Okay? So the devil was actually coming to Jesus to get Jesus to question the Word of God. All right. So what was the Word of God that Jesus was living on? What was the rhema that Jesus was feasting on and living His life from every day? Well, here's the Word. You, you got to go back in time. You got to go back 40 days prior. You got to go back one chapter earlier. You got to go back to the point before the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness, right after Jesus was baptized in the water by John, his cousin. And the heavens opened, and the Father spoke out of heaven, and he declared over his Son after the Holy Spirit came upon him, and he said to the world, he said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That was the revealing of God's Word. That was God's Word flowing and, and releasing life into Jesus Christ. Jesus heard His Father, and 40 days later after He's, he's fasting and His body is exhausted and he's in his vulnerable weak time but he still has been meditating on God's word every moment every day I'm living off of the word that God spoke over me I am his beloved son in whom he is well pleased I am father God's beloved son in whom he is well pleased Come on. Every day, every moment, I'm feasting on this thing that the Father spoke over me. We heard it audibly. All right? The, the, the heavens opened. The Holy Spirit fell on me. I was baptized in water. And Father declared over me from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. So Jesus is, is meditating. He's processing this. And He's feasting on it. He's living from it. Wow, my Father loves me. I'm his beloved. He's claimed me as his beloved. I'm his son. He's my father. He's pleased with me. Wow. Jesus soaking his thoughts and his heart with the pleasure of God on himself. Come on. Living from that place. That is grounding him in his identity. And what was his identity? The Son of God. Come on. Sonship. He's the Son of the Most High God. And here the devil comes along. If you're the Son of... Whoa! Wait a minute. If? What do you mean if? I know who I am and there's no more question about it. I don't need to prove myself to you. I don't need to prove myself to me. I know what God said, and that is a done deal for me. I'm His Son. He's my Father. 
I'm beloved. And he's pleased with me. Come on. It's my identity. I live from that place. That is the voice of the Lord. I live from the rhema of God. And I live from the rhema of God. Abundant life. I live from the inside out. That's the core of who I am. I'm I'm His son. He's pleased with me. He loves me. Come on. Isn't that awesome? And the devil was trying to Get him to prove himself. If you're the Son of God, then do something so that we can see a result of you being the Son of God. And Jesus didn't even give him the time or the day. He's like, I'm not even, I don't even care what you think of me. I just declare over me what God says, and that did it. And he turned the other way. Come on. He got tempted three more times, and guess what? The devil again says, if you're the Son of God. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, you, that was still in question, really? No, I, I know who I am. And the more deeply that your identity gets grounded in this truth, the more stable that you become. And the more stable you become, the more it takes to shake you. Okay? So, if the devil was trying to convince Jesus to prove himself, there, were, there could have been two, uh, two things that could have possibly happened with Jesus in his heart that would have been the devil's actual goal. Because the devil could care less if Jesus turned rocks into bread or not. He could care less. He knew that if he could get Jesus to do it, that Jesus would actually be succumbing to one of two different things. One... Self-doubt. I need to prove myself so that I can believe that I actually am this person. And until I see proof, I might not actually be that person. And, and now it's in question. It's in question if I'm this person or not until I see the results that somebody thinks I need to see. All right? Or the other one could be pride. I'm going to prove myself so you can know who I am. But pride comes before the fall. It says it, I think, in Proverbs. Okay? The pr- pride comes before the fall. So he was trying to trick Jesus into this mentality of proving himself, either one, out of doubt, or, or two, out of pride. You guys follow me? Either one is a place of insecurity, which is the main goal here. Insecurity. The, when the devil can get somebody insecure, that person will no longer believe that they have what it takes to shoulder the weight of what God has for their lives. And Jesus had to shoulder the weight of the sins of this whole world. If, he could have, if, if the devil could have shaken his self-belief even a little bit, he would have not have had the strength that he needed to perform what he did. You guys hearing me? So the devil was trying to get Jesus shaken and his sense of security in his identity. And, and as, as tempting as it was, and Jesus actually truly considered it, or else it wouldn't have actually been temptation. Okay? He actually was considering the option. But Jesus always came back to truth. And he remembered who his father said he was. He is, this is my beloved son 
in whom I am well pleased. And Jesus was able to anchor his soul to the truth of what his father declared over him. And that was all he needed. Come on. It's a big deal. Believing in our identity induces security. Here's the cool thing about this. God declared over Jesus who he was to him. My beloved. I'm well pleased with him. I'm proud of my son. This is my boy, everybody. The whole world, this is my boy. I'm pleased with him to the whole world. And Jesus never once had performed a miracle yet. Jesus never once healed a sick person, cast out a devil, raised the dead, preached to 5,000 plus and multiplied bread. He never did any of that stuff. But God's saying, this is my boy. Proud of him. This is my beloved. Jesus had no track record yet to fall back on to give him a sense of false security. (laughs) What did he have to fall back on? My father. My father loves me. He's pleased with me. So then Jesus starts his ministry. He starts healing the sick. He starts performing miracles and preaching to the masses and raising the dead and doing all the great stuff. And then he has times where people came to him and they said, if you're the son of God, show us a sign. He's like, I don't need to show you no sign. He could have gained his reputation all the more by following their ploys. Let me increase my, the reputation of my ministry by, by showing people the things that's going to that's gonna win their favor with me. Nope. I, I don't need to do that. You are going to see a sign. It's not the one you're looking for. Okay? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and, and, then, and then there was the time when Jesus was preaching to the 5,000 plus, and it was a powerful revival service, right? It was, it was like a preacher's dream. And, and then after that, he tells them, you guys, you guys actually are going to need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And knowing that they were going to have a huge problem with that. But, it, but Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. He didn't care what anybody thought about him. Okay? He didn't care. He, he, did all, he could have had all this increasing ministry favor and fan crowd. Everywhere he went, he could have increased it all the more if he would have done what people needed him to. But no, no, I do what I see my father doing. And this time he saw his father challenging them with something that was going to offend their heart. And every single one of them, except his committed 12, all of them abandoned Jesus. And they rejected him. Do you think Jesus was standing there crying? Because I lost, I lost my crowd. I, I lost the reputation that I once had. No. Nope. You know why? Because I live from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God 
And God said, I am His beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And that's all that matters to me. You guys tracking me? Come on. Identity was not in what Jesus performed and accomplished. It was in who He was. It wasn't in His ministry. It wasn't in His accomplishments. I'm God's Son. I'm His Son. I, I want to declare to you guys right now that the way that God looks at you, He's not judging you, good or bad, by what you've accomplished for His name. He's not judging you by when you failed or when you did it all just amazing. That's not, he's not like, I'm proud of you, I'm blessed by you, I'm pleased with you because you performed yourself into my favor. No. You are my beloved son, my beloved daughter, in whom I'm well pleased. And, and your identity and God's heart towards you is tied up 100% in who you are as His child not in what you've done for him. Come on. That is really, really good. Jesus is like, it's all about sonship, not service. <laughs> my service can be an outflow of my sonship. Okay? We perform not for love, but from love. Okay? So, Jesus, you know, I know who I am. I don't need the magic tricks or the miracles to validate who I am or to give me a sense of confidence. I don't need the accolades of the crowds to make me feel good about myself. I know who I am. I don't need to prove myself to me or to anybody else because God already knows who I am and that's all I need. Amen? <clears throat> Good stuff. When I was at Bethel for nine years, I, I, I went there and nobody, nobody knew who I was and, <laughs> and it didn't matter. But, uh, but I, I had to work through stuff in different seasons. But the Lord, through the years, um, I started getting to know more people and getting connected with different uh, ministries and groups. And then I went to BSSM and, and started getting really connected with things. And then I started... I got, I got accepted onto Steve Backlund's intern team, and he started training me to go out and do itinerant ministry, travel to churches around the country and even other countries, and it was awesome. And people started knowing who I was. People started knowing who I was. And then, um, then Jessica and I got to join a group called BAM, Bethel Activation Ministries, and we were traveling even more. And it was great. And the more you start doing this, the more, whether, I'm not saying the upper people created this, but there's this just human thing where, where you start getting statuses. Okay? Start getting statuses. Then I became a revival group pastor, and I had 1,200 students out there who knew who I was. And, you know, I don't know all of them. And sometimes people have a hard time understanding that. <laughs> but... But, uh, you know, I could be going somewhere and random people are coming up and they're like, hey, that was awesome what you did. Or, hey, will you pray for me? I see this on you. I want it. Whatever it was. And it's so cool. But you start feeling known and seen. 
And, and then um, the time came when we were going to plant this church and we were there and like the whole community was like celebrating with us. That's awesome what you guys are about to do. They commissioned us. It was so good. And then they sent us. And I'm so used to feeling that exposure and people knowing who you are and stuff. And guess what? The Lord always likes to make sure that we know where our true identity is grounded. Okay? Because we, we can get used to the way things looked. And we moved out here where we didn't have that same history of, of community and, and, and the reputation built over time and stuff. And we started from scratch. And I realized quickly that um, the favor we have with God always continues growing if we live obediently to Him. But the favor with man, oh, yeah, that doesn't always transport to different places. You start over. And, and, so, and I felt it. I felt it. I, I, I was used to people knowing who I am, and now I don't. And, and, and we're here, we've been here for four years now, still building that thing. But, but the Lord has just had over and over, He had to remind me, Jesse, that does not matter. That's not, that has nothing to do with who you are. You're my son, and you're stable, and you're strong, and you're deeply rooted and grounded in my love. I'm pleased with you. Okay? Because the stuff that we measure success, the stuff that we measure security, the stuff that makes us feel good about ourselves is all good, but it's secondary and external, and it's not really the thing that matters the most. Do you know God? In your knowing God, do you know that He knows you and He loves you? He's pleased with you. And He actually likes you. And is that good enough for you? Or do you think you need something else to make you feel good about yourself? Because if you do, those other things that make you feel good about yourself might be false identity. And if you try to anchor your identity in the false identity stuff, you're going to find that it might feel good for a moment, but it's going to eventually fail you. And then you're going to wonder, who am I? Do I have what it takes? Well, you do, but not that way. You are, you are letting your roots go into something that is unsustainable. But let me tell you where your roots can be sustainable and keep you flowing in that abundant life forever. It's in God's absolute love for you. And He accepts you for who you are. He doesn't want you to try to become someone else. You could look at somebody else who has the stuff better than you do. And you, try to, you, you want to try that. Okay, false identity. God created you. He's got something great for you, but can you be rooted and grounded in Him and secure in the Father's love, the Father's identity for you, and live from that? Because when things go great, are you going to be swayed and, and think that that was what it was all about? Are you going to remember to come back? Oh yeah, this is about me and my Father. Okay? Because Jesus, he, he, he was grounded when the crowds were applauding him, he didn't let it puff his head. He didn't care. Never cared. 
when it came to him offending everybody by saying what the father was saying, he didn't care that they all left him. What he cared about is I'm staying rooted and grounded in my father, and I'm his son. You guys follow me? We need to know who we are. We need to know who we are to God. God says the same thing over you, my friends. Okay? This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. Guess what? He actually brags about you in heaven. Like when the heavens opened and they heard God declaring that over Jesus, he was just bragging. They just happened to hear it. He's saying it. Okay? He's saying it over you. He's declaring it. Can you believe it? Can you live from the rhema word of God that proceeds forth from the mouth of the Father over you? You are His beloved. He's pleased with you. Guess what? You are not your sins. That's not your identity. You are not your sins. You are not your successes. You hear me? You are not your anointings and your giftings. You are not your career failures or your career advancements. Okay? You are not your ministry opportunities. You are not whatever neighborhood you live in or used to live in or want to live in. Okay? You are not your past. You are not other people's ideas of who you are. You are not bound by old cycles. You are not bound by other people's limitations on their lives. You know who you are? You're a child of the Most High God. That's who you are. That's who you are. The accuser of the brethren, a.k.a. Satan, right? he tries to redefine who we are by our flaws. How do we overcome them? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony and not living our lives unto death. Okay? The blood of the Lamb has redefined who you are. It's actually imparted to you your identity. If you're born again Christian, you actually died to the old and you are born again to the new. And so you are new creations. All old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You guys know this. We've been going after this stuff. But the Lord has, has actually imparted to you the DNA of Himself. He's your Father. You've been born of the Spirit, born again put his DNA into you. He's actually crafted you in his own image. Okay? You're a son. You're his daughter. Wow. Come on. And last week I preached on these verses. I'm about to close. I preached on these verses here. Romans 6.11. It says, Likewise you also reckon yourselves 
To be dead indeed to sin. That means, that means fixate your mind. Uh, you choose to not let your belief go anywhere else except this thing. Reckon yourself. Choose to believe this about yourself. That you are dead indeed to sin, but alive to God. So reckon, choose this belief on yourself. I've died to sin. That's not who I am anymore. Choose to believe yourself. I am alive to God. Choose to believe that you've been resurrected from the dead in Jesus Christ. Choose this belief. That's a commandment. Reckon yourself. You hear me? And then two verses later, Romans 6.13, it says, Do not present your members, talking about your body and your actions, as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God. Everybody say, present yourselves to God. As being alive from the dead. That means stand before God and believe this and carry yourself in the manner of having been resurrected in Christ. Do you think God wants you to stand before Him acting like something that's not real? Fake? Act like you've been resurrected? No, He actually wants you to believe you've been resurrected and then stand before Him as a resurrected person. You hear me? So say this with me. Reckon yourselves alive to God. Reckon yourselves alive to God. All right, so that means you are choosing to believe this about yourself. I'm alive to God. I've died to sin. Everybody say, I'm alive to God. I've died to sin. All right, so reckon yourselves. Repeat it again. Dead to sin. Reckon yourselves alive to God. So that is changing. It's forcefully changing your self-belief. Okay? But then it goes on and it says, present yourselves. Everybody say that. Present yourselves alive to God. Present yourselves alive to God. I believe I've died to sin. I believe I've resurrected. And my life is the resurrected life in Christ. I believe it. Alright, so there's, the, there's your self-belief. But now, there's the presenting yourself to God. So I want to believe it, and then I want to present myself to Him. So I'm going to, I'm not just going to believe, I'm actually going to function from, I'm going to stand in, I'm going to believe it, and act like it, and present myself as the thing I just declared over myself. So now, I'm going to stand before God when He's sitting on the throne of the universe. I'm going to stand boldly before Him as someone who is resurrected in Christ and I have nothing of the attachments of the old sinful life anymore. I'm resurrected in Jesus, God. I'm going to reckon myself and then I'm going to present myself. I'm going to reckon myself to me. I'm going to present myself to God. I'm going to believe it and I'm going to live and behave like it as if it's a matter of fact. Come on. So now we've got to take this thing, though, about Jesus and about God the Father and that God actually loves you as much as He loves Jesus or He wouldn't have actually paid for you with Jesus. 
So His love for you is the same love that He has for His Son, Jesus Christ. And now you've got to choose to believe that I'm going to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I'm going to find my life from the inside out by what God has spoken to me. I'm going to let it come in me and redefine who I am. And then I'm going to present my life. I'm going to live from the inside out. I'm going to reckon myself what God said about me. And then I'm going to present myself to God the way that He said that I am. I'm going to reckon myself now to be a son of the Most High God. I'm going to choose to believe that I am a son and I don't have to prove myself to anyone for them to think, oh yeah, he's a son. I don't have to prove it to God. It's already who he said I am. So now I just need to believe it and reckon myself. I'm a son of the Most High God. And now from that place, I'm going to present myself before the Father as a son. Present myself to you, Father. I am your son. I'm your beloved son. I know you're pleased with me. And anytime the devil tries to come and get you to second guess yourself, and he tries to use different things of how you might measure yourself, oh, well, I guess I'm not quite what I thought I was because such and such happened. Or I think I might be more than I thought I was because good things are starting to happen. And then your life is fluctuating and topsy-turvy. It's good. It's bad. You're all over the map because you don't know actually who you are because you're trying to define yourself and find security in accomplishments or in your failures. And God's saying no. No, it doesn't change. I don't care what happened over there. I don't care what happened over there. You're stable. You are my son in whom I'm well pleased. There's nothing else that you need to know about yourself. This is who you are. And you're always accepted in your father's lap. Always. If your career didn't go the way you want it to, okay, you're still his son. You're still his daughter. You made a fool of yourself. Oh, doesn't matter. That's not who you are. You're not a fool. You're a beloved son, a beloved daughter. He's pleased with you. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The more we can get secure in that, the different things that happen around us, they're going to fluctuate. They're going to look good some moments. They're going to look bad some moments. But if we can stay grounded, we will never waver. And Bill Johnson, I don't know if I'm going to quote this right, but he says that if, you, uh, if, you, if your head gets puffed up by the accolades of man when things are going good, then you're going to, then, then you're going to get squashed by the words of people when things don't go well. Okay? And we don't want to live that way. We want to live grounded. Every day, sustainable. I'm going to trust you, Lord, that all these things are going to, they're going to work out, but they don't define who I am. Come on. This is a good word. Why don't you guys stand up with me? Why don't you guys declare this with me, okay? You can close your eyes. I reckon myself that I've died to sin. So sin no longer has a hold on my life. 
I reckon myself alive to God. I've been resurrected with Jesus Christ. The old nature died. He made me a new creation. I'm a child of the Most High God. I present myself to you, God, alive from the dead. I stand before you, God, as a resurrected being. The old man died. I'm resurrected in Christ. I reckon myself a child of you. I believe it. I'm a child of God. Fully accepted. Fully embraced. As I am. Not by my mistakes. Not by my successes. Because I'm your child. And I'm grounded in you. So I present myself to you as your child. And I receive it. You're my daddy. I receive it. Amen. Come on. Lord, I pray for every one of us that you will just begin to increasingly give us revelation, rhema revelation of our sonship to you. Lord, that you're our Father, and that you'll begin to, you'll just continue setting us free from performance, setting us free from, uh, from our false measurements of success, setting us free from anything that we find false security in. Lord, we want to be rooted and grounded in you, and we want to be stable and free. Hallelujah. You've done this for us, Lord. Help us to hear with our spirits the rhema word, Lord, that we can live from the, the word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Beloved children, in your pleasure. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, y'all. Yeah, bless the Lord. Let's give God a praise right now. It's amazing. <laughs>